inquirers and welcome to the expanse of deep open-minded conversation i'm the one they call shane and in today's discussion we dive back into the world of i know squatch from experiences to ideas and theories it's always a good time with these guys and it's always an honor to have them on the show but before we get into that of course we have to do the front of house so if you're not already following the show on instagram facebook youtube tiktok or discord highly recommend that you do especially the discord make sure you hop in there and have some awesome conversations with some like-minded individuals because that's starting to pop off more and more each week and the only way it's going to continue growing is with your guys help of course and joining in and uh, contributing to conversations and ideas and theories and dropping articles and all that fun stuff but again go and check out the discord highly recommend it and if uh, anybody's interested in being a guest on the show or you're interested in having me as a guest on your show or if you're interested in sponsoring the show in some way shape or form you guys can email me at inquiries of our reality podcast at outlook.com or you guys can get a hold of me on social media instagram or facebook whatever one's easier for you guys or you can go with the link tree, fill this mission form, and that will go directly to my email, of course. And if anybody wants to report an encounter, whether it's paranormal, cryptid, UFO, extraterrestrial, weird anomalies, uh, no matter how big, no matter how small, I want to hear about it from you guys. You guys can get a hold of me with that through OMMEncounterReports at Outlook.com. Or you guys can go with the link tree, and there also is a specific submission form for that one. I believe it's the third tab down. But uh, depending on what you want to do with it, either uh, we can discuss it. Um, maybe I can come out and possibly investigate it. I can read on the show and give you guys a shout out on the show. Uh, maybe you can even be a guest and come on and share your experience. But we'll have some back and forth with that. But uh, make sure you guys definitely report your encounters to OMM Encounter Reports at Outlook.com. And uh, if you guys can't get enough of what I do, don't forget to go and check out my other show, Bizarre Encounters, that I do with my awesome co-host, Oren. Over there, it's a little bit different of a format than this show because we uh, deep dive into a bunch of stuff that we research. There is some guests in the mix, of course, with that, but the primary of that show is our research and all of our banter back and forth, getting into all of that interesting stuff. And if you guys want to keep tabs on everything I do, all in one place, you guys can uh, follow OMM across social media. And as far as YouTube, TikTok, and the Discord goes, all of that is under Open Minds Media. Makes it a little bit easier so I can put both shows in one place. So if you guys see Open Minds Media anywhere, that is me, of course. And if you guys want to support the show, a couple different ways to do so. Number one is to become a Patreon member. And I want to keep growing that as much as possible as far as 2024 goes. And uh, there's multiple tiers over there. So you guys can figure out which one suits you the best. But some of the stuff you might get is ad-free episodes, 
early access to episodes, lives of episodes, live replays of episodes, uh, exclusive merch store discounts, exclusive giveaways. Uh, there's a bunch of other new stuff too. So you guys can go and check that out. And if you guys have any suggestions as far as improving the Patreon, just let me know. I'm completely open to suggestions and I would absolutely love to hear it from you guys. Uh, there is also exclusive shows that are going to be happening over there. Uh, one of them is Bizarre Inquiries. I might drop some random episodes of that on the normal feed, but for the most part, that will be a Patreon exclusive video format show. And if you guys have any questions that you guys would like us to discuss on that show, you guys can send me a message and drop your questions. And of course, if we pick your question, we will uh, give you a shout out on the show. But uh, the whole premise is we want to do what if type scenarios or uh, just just a random slew of questions. Um, you know, like some examples might be what if there was an alien apocalypse that happened tomorrow? Uh, what if the apocalypse happened tomorrow? Uh, what if Sasquatch fought Mothman? Uh, anything like that. I mean, it can be serious. It can be funny, whatever it is. We want to be able to discuss your questions so you guys can pass that on so that we can uh, talk about your questions on the show. And uh, if you guys want to donate to the show directly to make it so I can get out to more events, uh, you guys can do so through Cash App, Venmo, PayPal, or Red Circle, which is the RSS host for the show. And if it doesn't give you some type of option for a personalized message, uh, make sure you guys shoot me a message, include your name and all that so I can give you a shout out in the show. And as I always say, give appreciation where appreciations do. Uh, number three, you guys can go and pick up some awesome merch from the Open Minds Media merch store. You'll find stuff for Inquiries of Our Reality, Bizarre Encounters, uh, my other random cryptid designs I work on, and there's going to be a lot of new stuff I want to expand as far as that goes. So if anybody, again, has any suggestions for cryptid shirts they'd like to see, any of that, I'm more than open to suggestion and would absolutely love to hear it from you guys. And uh, just as a little added bonus, of course, like I mentioned, if you guys are on the Patreon, you will get exclusive merch store discounts. And also, of course, make sure you guys follow the show on Instagram or Facebook because I do drop random promo codes here and there. So definitely something to watch out for. And number four, as far as supporting the show, you guys can leave a review on iTunes or Spotify. Uh, if you guys leave a review on iTunes and it's a five-star review, hopefully I will read on the show, give you guys a big shout out. Uh, that's an awesome way to make it so that more people are able to see the show. It makes the algorithm boost the show up to the top. So I want to keep doing that organic growth. And the only way I'm going to be able to do that is with your guys' help. So I greatly appreciate anything that you guys do. And you guys can also share the show through word of mouth. Uh, if you think somebody would enjoy a particular episode, send them over a clip from it, from the YouTube or the TikTok, anything like that. Uh, and if you guys aren't able to do any of that stuff. Again, I just appreciate that you guys enjoy listening to the show and you guys are around. And if you are one of those people, if you don't mind, put the show on auto download. So even if you don't listen to every single episode, it will count as a listen. And again, keep uh, promoting the show organically through the algorithm. And also, don't forget to go and support uh, Crypto Theology. Joe absolutely killing it over there with all of his slew of many different cryptid-related designs. Uh, one of my personal favorites is the Storm Area 51 design. But again, 90% of my closet is, well, a good mix of my closet is split up between I know Squatch, which we'll get into on this episode, of course, uh, crypto theology and a bunch of my designs and merch and different stuff that I do. But anyways, don't forget to go and check out Joe. Absolutely killing it. I know he has a lot of new stuff that's going to be rolling out very, very soon here. And uh, to all my paranormal investigators out there, don't forget to go and check out the Chattergeist, the all-in-one paranormal investigating tool. It is my personal favorite, and I take it out on every investigation that I do. And if anybody has any technical questions on it whatsoever, uh, you guys are unsure, but if you want to pull that trigger, which I definitely recommend that you guys do, you guys can hit up Barry over there on Dimension Devices on Instagram, and he'll be able to answer any of your technical questions you might have because he is the guy who programmed and developed the piece of software. And if you guys end up scooping one, don't forget to use the affiliate link. Uh, greatly helps out the show, of course. And uh, everything that I mentioned is all available in the link tree, which is available down in the show description. And with that, let's get into the show. 
please welcome back to the show, Rick and Hans from I Know Squatch. How's it going today, guys? It's going good. How are you doing? Absolutely wonderful. It's a pleasure to have you guys back on as always. And, you know, after the exciting announcement that you guys started uh, sponsoring the show, you guys get the shout outs in the beginning of the show. Figured I had to have you guys roll back on and uh, we can talk about that a little bit and bounce back and forth on all of our Sasquatch theories and stuff. So always fun with you guys on the show. Glad to be here. Thank you very much, Shane. Look, been looking forward to this again. Absolutely, yep. me too. Same here. Always looking forward to when I get to have you guys on. <laughs> so, uh, I guess a good spot to start. I know that we kind of went over the whole thing last time on why you guys started. I know Squatch, everything with that. Uh, but for anybody that may not have listened to that last episode, uh, if you guys want to kind of give them a rough idea, just exactly about what I know Squatch is, and maybe some of the new stuff you guys are dropping. Um. Sure. Uh, <clears throat> We'll be coming out with some new uh, spring spring ideas. What we'll really do is we'll have some some spring merch, and then going into the summer, since the majority of the shows that we attend, the majority of the festivals that we attend are, are summer festivals in the south. So the weather's uh, the weather's warmer. Um, you know, that's when you start seeing all the, the new the new work coming out. So right now we spend kind of spend the winters uh, just working up ideas, brainstorming, trying to see, you know, do some color forecasting, see what's going to be hot next year. Just out of curiosity, because I, I don't remember offhand, do you guys uh, have hoodies and stuff like that during the winter? We we do have a few hoodies. Um yeah. So, I mean, if, if you were to go on our Etsy store and there's a, a category, a hoodie category, there's uh, we offer one hoodie uh, right now. It's a, it's a, it's a brown, really heavyweight hoodie. It's a really, really nice hoodie. Um, and I, I was just at the local vendor today and we will have some camo hoodies Ooh. With, uh, with some striders on them. I'm going to be so, all over so, that so, one. Uh, it's a design that's a little bit more subtle. You know, it's, it's not going to be a big, you know, screaming Sasquatch all over the front <laughs> of it. It'll be a little more sunny, a little, little bit more subtle, classy, kind of like the hat I'm wearing right now. Nice. Uh, okay. But those will be, those will be up. Those will be live in a, a week or so. What about those hats too? Cause I was already talking to you before we uh, started, you guys got some new hat designs. Those are really crisp and neat. And I really like those designs. Uh, when are, when are those ones going to be dropping on the store? Thank you. Um, those will be dropping in probably, I'm still waiting on waiting on, you know, the merch to come to me so I can take it to, uh, take it to my local vendor to have the embroidery done which is you know time consuming it takes a couple of weeks but uh i would say by the end of the month there'll be some uh some cool new hats uh baseball hats um we're fully stocked on beanies so if anyone wants a cool beanie come to i know squatch on etsy you know what's you funny got, uh, is 90% of my hats are your guys now because I got the I got yeah. one of the beanies. Uh, nice. I got one of your guys' hats I wear for work, the camo one. Uh, I got nice. the red whoop hat. I got the yellow whoop hat. I got the one that has like the three-layer uh, colored design on it. Uh, and I swear I have another one too. I got, I got a, honestly, your guys' hats are probably like 90% of what I wear. <laughs> and the funny part about it is that they're like, 
prevalent to people in the community, but to anybody else, it's like it's so subtle they don't realize that it's they think it's just a baseball hat. Like I get asked about it all the time. They're like, Oh, there's a Sasquatch on there. <laughs> yeah. I think uh when I initially did that design, uh that that's what that's what I wanted. You know, it wanted it to be more of a conversation starter. You know, we started with a hat that Rick came up with that was a it's a camouflage hunting hat, hunting hat. And he had the guy just embroider whoop across it. And I'm like, Oh, that's really cool. And people liked it as well. And it was, you know, almost like a, if you see someone wearing a, an ATF or an FBI hat, how it's just stitched in, uh, you know, a sans serif letter across the front. And it just says whoop. Well, People wanted it and they bought it. And then I took the idea and went a little further and thought, let's stylize it, design it, and trademark it. And so yeah, so now we have the in in the in the Bigfoot community, we own the the trademark on Whoop. And it had the the design and the word, which is kind of neat. Uh and, that, and that's a nice, it's, it's a line that works really good for us. And like you said, it, uh, it's subtle. And a lot of times people will say, hell, whoop. They'll say it out loud when they're looking at you. And they'll say, what is that? And then you can go into a story and they can think you're crazy. <laughs> Actually, that reminded me. I forgot about my absolute favorite one. I have the the black camo one that has the gray and white whoop design on the front. And I don't remember yeah. if I mentioned this last time I was on the show um, or last time you guys were on the show. But uh, so I'm I'm from the Detroit area, and there's the whole like juggalo scene where they say whoop whoop. Yeah. So I was wearing my whoop hat at work, and I had this one guy that would come up to me, and every single time he'd go whoop whoop, and I was like whoop uh. like. <laughs> <laughs> and he finally came up to me one day and was like, oh, you like ICP? I'm like, oh, no, I don't listen to ICP. <laughs> He's like, what? You got the hat on. I'm like, no, it's whoop like Sasquatch. He's like, Sasquatch says whoop? I'm like, yeah, it's not just jugglers that say whoop whoop. It doesn't say whoop whoop. It says whoop. <laughs> one whoop for Sasquatch. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Because I knew I knew the, the jugglers. I think I watched a documentary not too long ago. And uh, they were all greeting each other like that. And I'm like, oh, no. I think they spell it W-O-O-P, though. So at least it's spelled differently. Oh, good. (laughs) That's a different whoop. (laughs) And it's doubled up. So also that, too. (laughs) People that are paying attention will know the difference. (laughs) Yeah, they were doing the double. So uh, I guess yeah. a good spot to start to get in everything. I know that, Rick, you got a lot of really uh, interesting stuff that you mentioned you want to get into. Uh, but for all the listeners out there that listen to the first episode, figure a good spot to start, even if it's nothing too crazy. you got to finish up the Red Gate story, Hans. Okay. Uh, it's not crazy at all. <laughs> um, it was... Uh, so the last time the last time we were on, we, we had the story, the Red Gate, and being like chased out of the woods and craziness and that I had gone back again and wouldn't even go past the gate, you know, because it was so eerie, whatever. Anyways, uh, this late last fall, uh, me and the ABS group went out there and it happened to be a full moon and it was so bright, uh, that when we walked up to the gate, 
everyone was like, oh, huh, it's, you know, what's, what's, what are you going to do? And I walked right around it, walked right through, right down the trail. And they're all like, well, holy crap. And I turned to them and I was like, there, there's no eerie feeling tonight. It's so bright out. And this was at, you know, 1030 at night. Um, it was, it was just really, really bright. Uh, and we walked around back in there, you know, uh, sat there and listened for a while, you know, t- just talked like we did the last time and, uh, nothing, nothing came up, uh, no sounds, no knocks, nothing. Uh, so I, we actually, Matt has a thermal and we shot a video where Sean went around this, there's some huge oak trees in there and he went and stood behind one and then leaned out and it, cause we were re recreating our, uh, our original peeper logo. And I said, I just want to see what it looks like on therm. You know, Matt can record on his therm. I just want to see what it looks like. So we have the shot and it's just a tree. And all of a sudden this big blob leans out. It's actually kind of funny. And then you can really see the difference of if if you're shooting thermal on someone, how how hot their face is compared to like where they're wearing a big jacket or if they're wearing gloves. So, you know, then, then that brings in the whole conversation about, okay, hoaxing, you know, hoaxing videos and how do the people try to, you know, they're doing their hoaxing. If they're doing hoaxing, that, that face is going to be so hot from the heat generated off of it. Um, but it was, so it was actually neat to, to shoot that and see what it looks like. Just out of curiosity, like a Sasquatch, if they're peeking out from behind a tree and you're looking at them on thermo, does their body, because of the hair, come off as like blue or does it come off as red because it's hair that's directly attached to their body? Like what's like the visual difference? Rick? Well, yeah, so... I can tell you from therm I've seen, um, there is a difference between the face and the body. So uh, to say consistently what it is, it seems like the face shows hotter. I've actually gotten some therm hits of that where you can't see much in the body down below, but the face, even through vegetation, I was able to pick up. And I got a good buddy of mine out of Chattanooga who's really an expert on therming, and he's done this for years. ago. got some very, very good video, therm video, um, when he's been out researching and you can see when one of these things peeks around, just like Hans says, you know, peeks around a tree or whatever, it's, it lights it up, not as much around the body. Now the face on a Sasquatch, if you, you know, you look at witness illustrations of the face on the Sasquatch, they don't always have, they're not completely covered in hair. Uh, as someone who's seen this, it, you know, I, it seemed to me that around the face was open so that to Hans's point that could project heat. You know, more so than the hair, which envelops it or covers it up a little bit. So I think that's a long answer, but it is more of, yeah, their face is going to give off more heat than the rest as a signature. Would you you'd be able to tell a difference, though? Like if their their body, assumably, probably gives off more heat than if somebody was wearing a coat and hiding behind a tree. So right. like if somebody was wearing like a hood that went up and over and the full body coat and you only really saw the face and everything else wasn't really showing like heat versus like a Sasquatch, since the hair is directly attached to them, yes. you'd actually get a little I, bit of a heat signature yes. around the head and right. on the body. Around right. Yep. Yep. Yes. And, I, Absolutely. and it probably it probably didn't come off of my explanation, whereas like when he was leaning out from the tree, only only his face was blasting 
in yellow and orange and red where he was because he had a big coat on. It was gray. So only th- the only thing that was, you know, showing color was his face. Right. So if, if someone was going to try to hoax, they would, I, I, they, you know, because you would think when, it, when a squatch leans out, the whole body has a color. Right. It's not going to be a gray blob. Right. Because if even if somebody's wearing a Sasquatch suit, it's not going to give off the same heat signature. It's going to show up just like if they were wearing a coat. So even if somebody was wearing a Squatch suit and yes. trying to hoax it behind a tree and you're using thermo, you'd be able to tell a clear difference. So it's like thermo is one of those yes. things that's kind of hard to fake as far as like a Sasquatch sighting goes. Yes. Yeah. So uh, I'm on that page too. I think we all are. Uh, you know, as far as what I use at night when I'm out, I really don't use night vision anymore. I mean, I've got first gen, I've got some stuff that's almost second gen. It just to me, when you light it, when you put it on, it sends out that IR signal. If there's Sasquatch in the field of vision, they pick that up and then they're gone. They're going to move. They can see that IR. I'm convinced of it from how to use it. Now, Therm, on the other hand, you could, you could Therm a creature and it never knows that you're therming it. And the other beautiful thing about therm is it works through fog. You're out in the woods at night, and there's a mist or a fog, and that happens a lot, even when it's not overly rainy. It could be, a, you know, within six, eight, ten hours after it rains, kind of thing. there's still a mist hanging around when you get out at night. It works right through that. You hear a noise, you can put it on it, and it picks it up. Therm works through that, and that's, to me, the, the beauty of it. Now, I carry a handheld that I can look down at. I like to seek thermal a lot. People use FLIR a lot, but the problem with using a FLIR is you can go kind of night blind. You, use, you know, you got one eye on that thing and you're walking around for 20 minutes. You take it off, it takes 20 minutes to get your eye vision back in the woods. So, you know, I like to, I like if I can just look down at it and look up and still rely on my five senses, you know. But I like Therm way better. I was going to say, there's a lot of good shots that come out of Therm that obviously the, it's one of those weird things they're not able to pick up or detect on it because I've seen a bunch of different videos of them like, Somebody will be sitting somewhere and they'll be like crawling up and over a hill and trying to hide in like the brush and people will still be able to full on record them <clears throat> and they, they don't pick up on it and they're trying to creep up on them and like crawl up, uh, crawl up next to them and sneak up on them. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 yeah I mean, you can, you're going to pick up anything out there. And you know, the other thing that Therm works really good with, you can see the size and the scale. Okay. So if you've got a mouse crawling around in a leaf litter, you look and you could tell relative to other things around it. It's a mouse in a leaf litter, you know? That's good. If you get a big arm or a head sticking around a tree, and I picked up one of those in North Georgia once on my therm down a trail. I saw something leaning out around the size of it. We were able to go back and kind of recreate, and the size of whatever that thing was made us believe it wasn't, you know, something in the woods, a raccoon or whatever. So size does come across very well in therm. Uh, I don't know if you want to get into it necessarily yet. I don't know if it kind of comes off of the end of the newer encounters that you're going to talk about, but just out of curiosity, I don't know if you've ever hit uh, any of the orbs in the woods with a thermo, but have you, do they give off anything different? Do they give off heat? Like what do they look like under thermo? So that's, that's, that's interesting. I have actually seen orbs a number of times in different locations, not looking for them. They just happen to show up kind of thing. But if you put a therm on it, I, I'd never have picked up anything on the therm. I took some random pictures once in Land Between the Lakes. We were talking about that once before. But uh, in a cemetery, I took a bunch of random shots at night in the dark and did pick up an orb. Um, you know, we had, we sensed activity there. I didn't necessarily see it, but I did pick it up in my random photography. Showed it to a paranormal 
person. She's great, you know, a friend of mine, and uh, she's expert on this. And she was like, "That's you can see the tail on it. You can see the round definition in the orb as it's moving the tail behind it. That's a real orb." Didn't see that. So the camera picked it up, but the therm doesn't. At least in my experience, it doesn't necessarily show up on that. I haven't seen it. Um, I recorded an orb moving once, so in the on a camera once on a phone camera. So. You know, I don't know. I don't know. I, you're dealing with something that's paranormal, Shane. It's hard to put specifics on continuity with this stuff, you know. I mean, I know you do a lot of paranormal and ghosts and everything, too. I mean, you know, I watch a lot of those shows, too, but it isn't all that predictable. See, I'm always curious if you can pick those up with something else. Like, maybe, I don't know if anybody's ever seen them under, like, night vision, uh, possibly even different other types of filters. Maybe even try to see if they have some type of, like, electromagnetic field, if you have, like, an EVP detector or something. Like, they got to give off some type of energy or some kind of something. It's just a matter of figuring out what the best method is to seeing them. Because half the time, it's like, people will catch them with their eyes, or they end up catching them on old cameras. And sometimes, even with, like, newer cameras, they'll correct them out of the picture, and you won't even be able to pick them up with the new cameras yeah it is fascinating all those old cameras i mean hodge you're a you know you're a creative picture-oriented kind of guy but a lot of old cameras have picked up footage of you know ghosts and orbs and all that kind of thing moving around and this is old technology yeah you know I've, I've never even thought of that until uh shane you brought that up is how if you have like a new phone camera that would it correct it right out of the frame because it reads it as it, it shouldn't be there. That's fascinating. That is that is really fascinating. Terrific. See what the weird part about the whole thing with like old cameras and new cameras is even with like UFOs, people pick up way better stuff with the old cameras. And I don't know if it's a matter of maybe the technology itself is different, like the way that it's capturing the picture versus the new stuff, or if it's maybe a matter that most of the new stuff has like AI built into it where it corrects the photo and it pulls things out of it. But uh, I had somebody on the show a while ago, uh, Dr. Simeon Hine, and he was talking about this whole idea about how if something's like radioactive and you try to capture pictures of it, that the picture doesn't come out right. It's like has this like vibrational like blurriness to it. So then he started attaching that with thinking that that might be the reason why Sasquatch most of the pictures that you catch are blurry. And if you do catch them, it's usually with old cameras is because they're kind of getting into the paranormal side of Bigfoot, but you know, they're existing in a different frequency or they're vibrating at a different frequency. So he was trying to explain it with like science, why every Sasquatch photo could potentially be blurry and relating it to the whole idea of like trying to take a picture of something that's heavily radioactive. Wow. So, <clears throat> so I'm re I am really glad we're talking about this. And I, are you ready to are you ready to take off here? Because I'm gonna absolutely. <laughs> I am I am really glad we're talking about this because I need some feedback on all this from your interview and Hans, you too. So I, I'm going to tell you about. I think I touched on a little of this with Hans, but I'm going to tell you about something that happened a couple weeks ago, and it ha it involves using a phone camera and what came out on it and what was seen. Um, but I, I, so. As long as we've got into this, this is a good topic. So uh, anyway, I'm in the process of organizing a BFRO expedition that's in the middle of April next year, and it's uh, in an area that's. Well, I can't tell you where the location is. We have NDAs and things with BFRO, and uh, I haven't disclosed it yet to the folks that are attending. We're screening now, but um, it's uh northeast georgia northwest central south carolina southwest north carolina it's in the corner in that area it's that's an active area cherokee land uh historically a lot of mountains waterfalls um 
been a lot of activity in there. The, you know, BFRO has been in that area for a while. I got a, a good buddy of mine is down in that, that area lives down there. Don Tart is his name. He's an active, uh, was act, active for years, BFRO. And, um, he's got 11 acres down there. There's all kinds of paranormal stuff on his property, but we're going to be in the Sumter national forest. It's, it's in there. Anyway, we're scouting there a couple of weeks ago. Now, this, I told you this would be a little bit of a longer, so, but I'll get to it. So we, when we scout typically for these expeditions, you know, we'll find campgrounds, whether it's private or public, you know, national park or state park, sometimes are private. And we use that and we go out on forest roads and we scout all them into different areas. And when you're mountainous areas, they typically go in the streams and back along, you know, there are forest roads, red gates, like we were talking about, but the roads go back in areas where people can hunt in dove fields or fishermen can go fish in creeks. Basically, that's where you are. And I like water sources going back in the areas where, because I think Bigfoots follow water and their family groups need water as a resource. So we go back into different ones like that. So we had eight of us and we were deploying into different places to stay together in groups. And a number of things go on I could talk about, but this one plays into what we were just discussing. Because we stay in you know either radio contact or phone contact and talk to each other, but we try to cover as many of these over the course of a few nights so that we know where you can go to take groups on the expedition and night hikes. And we typically will send night hikes out in groups of like six. I like your idea, three and three, too. I just picked that up. I wrote that down here. Even if you stagger them, I mean, if you have three and then like half a mile behind, you have another three that come behind, you know, you might end up picking up something that's actually following the other group then, too. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to pick my brain on the things that have happened to me over the years on these expeditions and see if we were in groups of three and three, because you, you got me. There's something with the number three with Sasquatch, too. And I, you know, if you leave stuff out for them, they break it into groups of three and one. Three is always a number. So I don't, I don't know what's good. But you got my you got my head spinning on that. I got to think about it. Anyway, back to we had a group in one forest road uh, late at night, 1.30 in the morning. And it was a spot near, uh, it goes back to a waterfall, but there's a tower there, a cell tower up on a mount. And it's a mile and a half off any kind of a main drag, which isn't much of a main drag. And we're staying in contact with two guys that are in there. And I'll just say the two guys that were in there are both survivalist training people. Okay. They spend time in the woods with, you know, they can start a fire with wet match with nothing. <laughs> These are guys that, you know, this is this is what they do for kicks. One of them is in charge of forensics down in uh, Spartanburg, South Carolina. And uh, these guys are very very seasoned veterans of being in the woods. They're discerning. All of a sudden they, in this area they're in there, and this is a spot where a few years ago we had a group in there and had some activity, but they start sending us texts and they said, we're having activity. Okay. What are you hearing? Well, we're hearing knocks, we're hearing movement and something's in the trees above us. Now they're just, these guys are scouting this area for, and they'd stop, but there are these tall trees above and pines. I said, what are you seeing? Well, we're seeing something that's like moving up in the trees above us. It's flitting from one tree to another. It's moving, and it's a creature small. Wait a minute, wait a minute, they could see it. I mean, they're texting us as fast as they can. And they said it looked like Gollum from The Lord of the Rings. Now, you know what that thing looks like, right? If, you, if you've watched any Lord of the Rings trilogies, Gollum. And I, so I'm looking this thing up online, what looks like that. And if the closest thing I could find in cryptozoology or cryptids is a rake, 
R-A-K-E. So look up the rake. Actually, I got something to throw in on that real quick. So I'm assuming that there's probably some type of cave entrance in that area. So, I mean, it kind of connects in with the whole like underground people concept or even the yeah. goblins thing. Because at least from like my research, and I know I've talked about this a few times on the show, um, I don't think rakes or pale crawlers are a cre- necessarily a creature. I think that they're a misinterpreted creature. Because when you start looking into like what Wendigos look like, not what you know mainstream media has made them look like now where they have the deer's head and then the skull and the antlers and everything but if you go into like the native descriptions of them there are these like lanky zombie like looking creatures that would like eat their lips off so i think that what a lot of people are seeing with pale crawlers and slash rakes are a mix between the i guess you people that have adapted to be underground some type of like underground being or what uh, natives were interpreting as wendigos huh well, see, I didn't even know what these things are. I'm a Bigfoot researcher, and I'm thinking emaciated Bigfoot or some, you know. Bigfoot with mange. Yeah. No, yeah. Tree, I don't know. They do. <laughs> so these guys both put their red headlamps on this thing because it was flitting around in the trees, and they observed it for a number of minutes and started to take pictures of with the with their phones. The pictures came out, and it looks like, if you look, it looks you can see the red lights up in the trees, and it literally looks like spaghetti moving all around in there. So there's something there, but it didn't come out on the camera. So we were just talking about what the camera would do. I don't know. Now, there wasn't any, we went back the next day and checked this out. We went back the next night, we, you know, recreated it with red headlamps. I went back during the day. Look, there's no spaghetti up in the tree. This looks like a thick, thick, thick bundle of rope or spaghetti moving around in the trees. They said That's how it came out on the camera. Now, I have no doubt they saw us. I'll tell you what, I was back in that spot the next night, and we heard a knock right above us. Seven of us heard a knock right above us as we were observing this area. I mean, pow, it went off as we were there. So we know they were around, and they're in that area. We had activity in the past there. But I don't know what the camera did to what they were trying to pick up, except they said they, it looked like they could clearly see the head. They described it like Gollum, or, you know, we looked up the rake and showed them images of that online, and they were like, that's what it looked like. And they said the arms were moving so fast as it was flailing around, jumping from tree to tree, up in the trees. And I would, I would estimate that was about 60 feet up in the trees, you know, that high up. But they were saying it bouncing around, but they could not, they did not get a picture of it on the camera. They got the spaghetti stuff moving around. I saw the pictures. And it was not there when we went back during the day, and it was not there later. Neither the creature or the spaghetti, whatever this stuff is. You know, it looked like you had a massive bundle of rope that was moving around up there in the trees. Now, I don't know what the camera did to that, to the distorter. I don't know what the heck it did, but, you know, that's what we were just talking about. So these guys are more of like Bigfooters. They're squatchers. They're not like – so when they were looking at it, they, they had no idea of what a rake is. No. Or uh, – okay. No. No, and they, these guys are, um, like I said, survivalist guys. One guy's a cop, but a uh, detective. And uh, they've only been Bigfooting out, Bigfooting type of thing the last two, three years. They're kind of new to that side of it, got interested in it because of some experiences, you know, they would had out in the woods. And um, they weren't looking for this. They didn't know what it was. The whole rake idea came up later when we were looking online for what the heck looked like this, you know. And the only thing that they, as they described it, we came up with was Gollum. They didn't come up with that. And then that led right. to the the rake thing. I, I don't know what they were seeing. Like we said, uh, we were thinking of 
you know, a Bigfoot, a, a juvenile, emaciated, I don't know what it is. And all the things you just said, Shane, I don't know what the heck those things are. But <laughs> I mean, have you uh is there is there is it an, an area that's known for having caves? Yeah, I mean there's mountains, caves clearly all around there. And I didn't I didn't know that either, that there was some connection between all that. But yes, very, very much a lot of waterfalls, a lot of caves, caves behind waterfalls, all that sort of well, I mean, there's the whole idea that, I mean, a lot of the time with a lot of different cave areas, there's these weird, uh, deformed looking, like humanoid looking beings that are seen around them. Like, I mean, they said the whole concept of like the goblins, there's like two sides of that where there's like the Hopskinville goblins. And then there's the other side of these, like kind of like what you described type of goblins. And, uh, actually I'll have to show you the picture after, but up over here, I got a, there's something called the boogeyman of, it may, what state was that? I think it may have been like North Carolina or something. I'll have to look at it. Um, but anyways, the boogeyman were these like weird, deformed looking like primitive like people that these miners ended up blasting open an area in a cave and they ended up finding them in there and they're eating a bear carcass, I believe. But uh, but it's like a normal sighting that around caves, people find these weird deformed people. And I mean, there's like the whole cryptid concept behind it, or there's even just the whole concept that there's a good chance that there's a lot of primal people who have been inbreeding in these caves for like generations that people have no idea about like i mean there's in every area in the south and every like de heavily wooded area there's the whole concept of like the the inbred tunnel type of people like i know oren says that there's like a specific uh forest that's known for that in north carolina too where people have sightings of these weird deformed people there like at least from my research i don't, I don't think it was a sasquatch at all i think it may have been something else and if you couldn't get a picture of it, I mean, it could have been something that is existing within another reality. So like getting kind of back into the whole orb concept, one of my kind of theories on it is that I think these orbs might be able to change people's perception into seeing what they want them to see at specific times. So like when people have these weird Sasquatch encounters that aren't very Squatch like, or they see these other weird creatures that shouldn't exist in the woods, half the time I think it's these orbs giving off like an image of something to people to get them out of an area. And then that gets into the whole reason of like why they could be doing it. And you hear about the whole concept of like fairy lore mainly existing in Europe. And you know, I think that fairy lore just as much exists in the, in the Americas. And if it is fairies, there's a good chance that they might be some type of like protect protector of the woods. And that might be why they give off certain images to scare people away from certain areas at specific times is to, uh, is because they're essentially American fairies. That that's kind of like part of many theories I've created on these, uh, different orb type things in the woods. But I mean, that, there's a good possibility that that could have been one of those things contorting itself to look like something that it necessarily wasn't. Cause it's not very typical that you hear about these like cave dwelling beings being up in trees. But I mean, at the same time though, if they're able to climb around through caves, I don't see any reason why they wouldn't be able to climb up a tree. Assumably they're probably good climbers. Well, but if they had, if it had some kind of an actual physical, you know, appearance ability, they were saying its arms were moving so fast, you know, it was almost a blur, you know, it was just shaking its arms all around. You know, why didn't it come out when they tried to get the camera on and get a picture of it? I mean, Hans, you're the, you know, photography, you probably know more about that sort of thing than I, is it a shutter speed thing or, you know, what is it? I don't know. I did like the the angle of the story that these guys aren't out looking for that. You know, that's why I asked. You know, if they're if they're strictly like just you know squatchers or whatever, because you know it it gives more credibility, validity 
to yeah. the stories, like because they're just saying what they saw. They're not right. saying, "Oh, we went out, and we saw <laughs> five rates," <laughs> and, you know. Yeah, no, so no. it's just like, okay, well, holy, holy shit, you know, know, what, what the hell is it? I know, and that's exactly what it was. I mean, they weren't out looking for this at all. They're just scouting trails for night hikes, and all of a sudden, they're texting. I was messaging. I was like crazy. And we're going to get a picture, get a picture, and they're trying. That's what came out. I will say in this area, though, too, back to the uh, orbs and the and that whole thing. And we did, we have had some activity like that, too. And if you talk to people in these Native American grounds, you know, you've mentioned fairies and lights and all. There's light occurrences, and they commonly talk about that. And, uh, you know, this area here has been active with that. I, we, I saw two weeks ago, I saw blue orbs, blue light orbs across the field, 175 yards away. And I have, uh, and I had two guys with me. They saw it too, popped up in the woods. I thought it was eyeballs, you know, of something, maybe a squash at first, because there were two of them, but then they kind of moved around a little bit disparately. But here, so I've gotten, you know, so I'm trying, if it's, I, you never go looking for an orb and all of a sudden it happens, you know, there it is. That's weird. But I thought, oh, maybe I can communicate with this. So I have red, high intensity red flashlights that will send a beam out, you know, 200, 300 yards. And I have blue ones, too. I, got, I need to get green. I'm just going to try to get more of these to take. You know, who knows what you can take and will work. Squatch it. So I take out the blue high-intensity beam, and I shine it right at the thing across this dove field up in a mountain. And these two, I'm seeing, we're seeing these two. Three of us are seeing this. Two of these in the darkness of the woods, in the wood line across the field, moving. And I, sh it, we see it. It goes out. I shine the light across, on, off, on, off. Guess what happens? They reacted? On, reacts on off on off when three of us are like what come on so we wait we wait they don't it doesn't come on do it again rick okay turn the light on fire the high intensity blue beam all the way across this field into the area turn it on turn it off wait a second or two on comes two of these lights on off on they move like they're turning off go lower away third three times the charm do it try it again all right try it again same thing okay now we've debunked everything starlight coming through the woods no none of that there went back during the day looked at it no it's a wood line across the field there's nothing behind it no cell tower no none of that i mean you can go through the whole litany of that we did our due diligence there's nothing there i will say after the third time this happened though where we had this interaction we started hearing movement in the woods like something heavy was moving coming towards us along down the woodland around the edge of the dove field. Now we started to walk away, tried to drag it back with us because we had three other guys around a fire and a end of a cul-de-sac on a forest road. We tried to dra drag it all the way back to us. And whatever that was, was keeping some time with us, but then it stopped and did not go all the way to where the fire was. So uh, we were unsuccessful in that, but we had something moving coming towards us from the origin of those blue lights. And that when I say blue, they're like, they were like bluish, like a bluish white or bluish white. Uh, more whitish instead of blue around the edge, but interacted with my blue high intensity beam. I don't know what that is, but that would seem to say some type of intelligence. Now, was it Bigfoot eyeballs? Was it Bigfoot fairy? Was it uh, Cherokee spirits? I don't know what it was, but it interacted. I mean, just to any, add any any possibility, any possibility that it was someone else doing what you were doing. In a, in a word, you know, yeah, in a word, in a word, zero. There's no no one there. There was no. This is so remote. 
there's no people out there. I mean, the easiest thing to say is there's someone out there that was waiting for us to be at this place at, you know, 1230 at night on a Thursday. Uh, but no, there's no, there's literally no people anywhere. I'm glad that you mentioned the blue because uh, do, do you guys know who Cardu Bouchard is? Yes. Yeah. Very. So he talks about the concept about uh, it kind of gets into the whole interdimensional Bigfoot concept that they need to compact themselves in order to travel interdimensionally. So he's described a couple of experiences where he's seen blue orbs with like Sasquatch faces in them. And he said there was even a thing where he saw like a projection in an orb of a Sasquatch that was in his house. And he also described that with a blue orb. So, I mean, if that's, if that's theoretically possible that they are able to compact themselves in order to, basically move into another dimension. Um, I mean, it would make sense why you guys were having something heavy follow you behind because every single time I've ever heard that that's related with Sasquatch, it always seems to be blue orbs specifically. Yeah, no, I know Carter. I've been, uh, I've been out with Carter, um, squatching actually Hans up in, um, Schoolcraft County up in the UP of Michigan. He, he made uh, a couple of trips up there. And yeah. Yeah. Carter, great, great guy. I think he used to be a comedian. So. He was, a, I think he was in a couple bands and stuff too. Like I, I know yeah. back in like the was it seventies or whatever. He said he was a drummer in a couple different bands. Yep, yep. Carter's a great guy. Great, great researcher. Not afraid to get out there, get in the woods. I've been out with him in years. I'd like to get out with him again. But you know, I don't, I don't know about that. You know, Hans and I. Hans is a great, healthy skeptic, and uh, I love that about him. <laughs> uh, but. I do. I mean, so you need to be. You can't. You got to be careful. You don't get dogmatic and shut off everything. But you, you got to be. You know, I don't know what other dimensions are and faces and these orbs and how that could be. You know, all that's theoretical. But I, I do look at this stuff as an orb is to me an orb is the same as a footprint cast. If you could see an orb, if you have several people together see an orb, you interact with an orb, you weren't anticipating, weren't looking for. What's the difference? That's evidence. That's no different than casting a footprint, except you can carry the cast around with you later, and everybody can look at it and say, no, that's not real. But it's the same thing. Everybody, I mean, that's what, that's what, everybody does the same thing. It's the easiest yeah. thing to do is yeah. dismiss stuff. Yeah. Now, you shouldn't be gullible either. No one should. You should always do, like I said with the Blue Orb, we went back, looked it all over, took pictures of the whole area. You, know, the, you have to do your due diligence. However, it's evidence. Yeah, I think we had this conversation earlier today, and I had, I had said that, you know, um, I've never seen an orb, and I want to see an orb. You know, when we were on the trip in Nesita, uh, there was Matt, you know, ten yeah. yards in front of ten yards in front of me, uh, and it was in the winter, so it was cold. You know, everything was white. Us. There's a little retention pond to the left and whatever. Uh, this, is another, this was another trip we were on a few years ago. Uh, right. Shane and both and, and I were on. Yeah, but go ahead. And, and so he, we're all walking kind of slow because it's cold. And uh, he all of a sudden he stops. He goes, holy shit. And we're like, what? And he goes, I just saw a TV screen in the woods, like like 15 yards in the woods, like when your TV screen turns on and it's a blue square TV screen just flashed in the woods, not far off the trail, not like 300 yards or whatever. It was like 15 yards in. And 
we're all like, oh, well, yeah, whatever. And th that's when something like, I wish I would have seen that. Yeah, so I thought Hans and I were going back and forth after that. I thought it was him that jumped. But I do remember catching out of the, like my peripheral the light in the woods. I did not see it as distinctly as he did. I'm used to Hans jumping around. He jumped in my arms once in uh, Iowa years ago. <laughs> Scooby-Doo style? <laughs> it, was, it was the real Sasquatch. That was right next to us. It was a giant. But, but, uh, <laughs> but, but Shane, this, Hans, this blue square kind of thing, not, I'm not trying to just chime and say, yeah, I've seen it too, but I have. And I don't know what the heck that is either. I was in North Georgia back, I think it was 2018, 19, 19, and with a group of guys, and I had a guy, it was pitch black, and I had, I had some, we had activity and things moving around, and one of the guys in the group says, over at our two o'clock, I keep seeing a blue square, like screen popping up in the, in the trees, I'm like, no, you're not, you're not, no, I just saw it, I'm telling you, so we're all, we had five of us, I'm trying to deploy everybody, look at northeast, southwest, make sure we catch it again. And then this guy pipes up again. No, I just saw it again. And it's up like about seven, eight feet up in the tree. So I clue in on this spot. And I am not I'm not looking anywhere but in this direction for like the next 10 minutes. Lo and behold, it happened again. Now, we had activity. We had vocalization recorded, like two females talking in this area. And they were chucking rocks over the top of our trucks. Like we, we'd hear them get flipping back and forth in a pitch black. There was other activity. We were focused on that. I don't, but I'm telling you, I, I saw this blue rectangle of light thing in the woods. I don't know what it is, but it came on and then it went off. So I think that's what happened when Matt saw it when we were together. He got scared because it happened in the woods and he jumped because he didn't expect it. You never expect these things um, to happen. And what, when we talked about this earlier, you mentioned that it could have something to do with infrasound. And that was the first I've ever heard of that. Yeah, so that came uh, that came my way from Kevin Llewellyn. I, he's a great guy to have on or talk to sometime. He's a investigator up in Washington. He's a friend of mine. Uh, written a couple of books. Great guy. A lot of experience. But uh, and I was out with him recently in North Central Tennessee, and he he said uh, we had seven of us in, a, in an area. And he said it was the second most active night of his night of his life. So it was it was crazy. But his theory, I don't know his theory or. He says when you're getting infrasound, if they're hitting you with infrasound, if these things, these creatures can deploy infrasound as a deterrent to get you away, that it will distort or play with your vision and your perception, things you see, and cause you to maybe see bursts of light. And maybe blue is an interpretation that we as humans and our eyes, maybe that's what, what goes on when we get the infrasound feeling. And infrasound is a low frequency hum. It's not like you hear it immediately. It could be hitting you and making you, you know, unnerved. And that's not a good feeling. I've had that many times. But um, maybe it distorts other things in your reality. And maybe that's when these orbs show up, or maybe that's when the blue light boxes show up in the woods. But they do happen. I mean, there used to be this thing that people used to do on like YouTube videos where you'd like cover up your eyes and you'd put on headphones and they'd play these like static frequencies and it would cause you to have like visual hallucinations. So, I mean, like that's already kind of somewhat proven through science. The fact that through certain frequencies, you start getting these visual and 
distortions. But I mean, just on another side of it too, if you're getting into the whole orbs in the woods concept, you know, I, I mean, maybe there's a matter of them like manifesting themselves and maybe that's what those sparks of lights are is like that energy coming together for that orb itself possibly. Or even if you want to get into another kind of weird side of something I've been digging into lately, this uh, negative dimensions concept that everybody thinks of parallel dimensions. They don't necessarily think of like a micro dimension, like a, like a negative dimension that could exist within our reality. So if you were creating a negative dimension, assumably it would pull things towards it too. And again, I had, uh, I was going back and forth with this with uh, Simeon Hine. Um, and he was talking about how if you change like the order of like certain particles, it'll, it'll pull all energy towards that. And essentially it can create like a theoretically an infinite power source. So the kind of thing we're kind of bouncing back and forth behind is that if these negative dimensions are temporarily opened and then closed real quick, that might explain like power drain, for example, that people have with their flashlights when they're dealing with Sasquatch, when they're dealing with uh, paranormal investigating, things like that. So continuing on with what you were saying, did you guys notice any type of like power drain on any of your electronics when you were having these experiences with uh, these blue lights flashing? Uh, I have to, I'm going to have to go back and think about that. I have experienced the power drain thing. I mean, no question when we've had activity around, I, I have, you know, Hans that night on our story, going back to the red gate story that night, if you recall, I had a task cam recorder with me that night and I brought it with us yeah. when we went there and we went, remember I said, you know, when we heard the female screaming at us as it was approaching, look like I'm a recorder. Yeah. The, the whole thing was dead and I was fully charged before I went out. You know, and I get this yeah. reading on it, you know, no SIM card. I mean, it's just insane. I don't know. How the hell does that happen? I was so mad about that that night. But that stuff um, happens around these things all the time. Um, the the night in Nasita when Matt saw the blue box, uh, you know, never checked anything. You know, we, we didn't pull our phones out or we didn't pull our night vision to look at any of the batteries. It is just something we didn't think of. You know, it right. just happened and we're like, oh! And, you know, t- 10 minutes later, it was gone and we walked for a little bit more then we turned around and walked back and uh, that was like, you know, the really the only thing that happened that that evening. That was like the only thing we saw some uh, wolf prints. prints, though, in the snow. Yeah, wolf prints, yeah. that's right. Yeah, that was, that saw was some good. wolf prints. But yeah, I don't, I don't, you know, I, I don't know what that light is when that happens in the woods. You, you know, you see things, you hear things that go on. You were mentioning different devices before, Shane. Uh, you know, if you try EMF, we'll use EMF. I bring EMF a lot of times to see if we get readings on that, or um, and sometimes you know they'll they'll start to move and you get higher readings. Um, when weird stuff happens, and I can't, I can't explain that. You know, is it, is this a manifestation with them that they're, you know, all of a sudden they can, with these orbs? I almost feel like because I've had, I had the orb type thing, all of a sudden show up like it was following a group of us up a path. Okay, I had another time where one of them came out of the woods above a group, circled around a group, and then went back in the woods. Okay, I saw that with multiple witnesses in each each of these situation saw what i saw so that almost says to me it's got some kind of intelligence so is it being guided like a drone or are they you know is this a bigfoot manifestation of energy they're sending like a periscope or a drone down a path to see what you're doing so they can stay stealth and out of the way i don't know that's one theory i have about it i've kind of had that same theory as far as when people see the orbs related with like ufos typically because 
<clears throat> the orbs seem to be something that's universal across the paranormal, cryptids, and UFOs. Right. So, I mean, right. either one, there's a, a possibility that each of these are, each different type of being are using them for different reasons. Like, for UFOs, I always kind of got the idea that it's like how they spectate. But, I mean, again, on the other side of why I started connecting the whole thing I was saying about the whole American fairies, um, maybe the reason why it's associated with all of these things is because again, it's something that's able to change your perception into seeing what it wants you to see. So it's not necessarily any of these things. It's a totally separate thing, but it's using that scary image of these multiple different types of beings in order to scare people again, away from that area for maybe protecting the woods. Or again, maybe it's just the area that they call home and they don't want people there to begin with. But I mean, right. it's just a weird thing to think about because humans, we think of everything as being like, well, I guess like ghosts would technically be some type of like energy or magnetism. Uh, but for the most part, everything that we think of is like carbon based. So it's kind of weird to think that if there was something that was another consciousness existing in our world that doesn't have the same buildup as us, that we essentially it can live here undetected because nobody really knows where to, where to what category to put it in. Yeah, no, I, all of that is in play. I mean, uh, you know, why Why these, an orb, you make a very good point. I hadn't thought about it. These orbs show up across multiple types of paranormal occurrences. So whether it's UFOs or ghosts or whether it's uh, Bigfoot or cryptotype creatures, you know, the orb thing happens. It seems to be the same. There may be a coloration change a little bit. It's got kind of a look to it. I was watching Skinwalker Ranch a little while ago. Good show. I like it, but they've got a great video of one of those things moving around. If you watch the show and you see it, they've got a, an orb that's moving around outside one of the buildings there, and they captured it on their they got cameras everywhere. The cameras picked it up. I was watching how it moved. I'm going, I've seen that before. Now, I haven't been to Skinwalker Ranch, but I've seen that thing move exactly like that before in the woods. As I watched it, same movement. Now, thousands of miles away, different scenario, et cetera, different time frame. I don't know what it is, but that's consistent is my point. Now, I bet you if you lined up the consistencies of these things, what they do across these different paranormal phenomena, you'd find them. I mean, they might even be speaking a language directly and people aren't, aren't even realizing it between the flashes. Maybe if you break it down, it might be some form of like Morse code or even just the idea that if they're moving in specific patterns, that's how bees communicate with each other. They communicate through like dancing essentially and doing different movements to it, it, to give off different ideas. So, I mean, it could be the same thing with these things right. that, you know, the reason why people see the same movement 10 different times is maybe that's their way of just for example, this up, down, left, right might be their way of being like, hello, you know, like they might be trying to communicate through movement and through flashes. Yeah. And I think, you know, when these things happen, I think other stuff happens too. So well, to your point, maybe there's UFO sighting or a ghost sighting, you know, you watch the ghost shows, they get orbs. I mean, they get them all the time. You know, I got a picture of an orb in a cemetery. You know, so I, I don't know. I think there's something to it. It is a manifestation of energy that moves around. <clears throat> Let me tell you something else went out recently that I just I haven't been able to figure out. So uh, one of, another one of the nights we were scouting, looking on these uh, forest roads recently for this expedition. We had seven of us in a pitch black area. Hey, and you know what? There was a red. Another red gate near this one went up the hill. It was, we got out and we kind of deployed. So a lot of times we send two or three people, you know, 100 feet this way, 50 feet that way, et cetera, You're standing groups. But you always look in different directions, even in the dark, look up into the woods and around. And I always like to get in a place where you give things above you 
you know, a chance to look at you. Anyway, I'm doing some provocation. And I, you know, I like to, I, I'll use, I have a Irish whistle. I'll use that sometimes or a harmonica um, recorder. You know, I'll do different things to play whistle type noises. Um, and I typically get some things like that. All of a sudden we hear up in the hills above us, like a tom-tom. Okay, you know what a Native American Indian tom-tom is? Boom, 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 boom. I don't know why I was thinking like a GPS at first. I thought you were hearing somebody's GPS go off. <laughs> we're we're hearing like uh, I would almost, I used to be a drummer. Okay, so you're talking about drummers and you know paradiddles and flams, did a you know this kind of thing. We we're here. I hear this start like with a start and dun 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 dun, and right in between all of us, right after the drumming, we hear a voice go oh, make it like that. And all of us stop. And I remember saying to one of the guys in the group, Don, where did you, and there was, well, yeah, yeah, we heard, where did it come from? And he says, it was right in between us. And I mean, we're not standing that far apart and there's nothing there, but we heard it. So how does that happen? How do you, and I mean, you multiple people, there's seven people there. Uh, easy to say, you know, the couple around our friend, five of us heard this right in between us, voice. And it came from right in, inside of us after the drumming in the woods. Now, I don't know the Sasquatch, or I don't know what it is, but it happened in response to the whistles and things I was doing, and it was right in between us. I tend to lean more towards the spirit or spirit type of thing. But multiple witnesses all heard the same thing, all agreed where it was, it was all in between us. I don't know how that occurs. Just think what would have happened if you would have had the magic number of three people. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> uh, well, next time. Right? Write that down. See, I get into this whole idea about uh, like almost like the residual haunting concept that <clears throat> if you imagine like Earth, for example, as being like magnetic, it essentially could function like how a VHS tape works, that things get recorded within the electromagnetic fields. So... It, that also goes to not just visual stuff, but also auditory stuff. So if there was something that got like recorded in that area, or if you get into the residual haunting idea, that something so traumatic or eventful happened in that area that it echoes throughout time, that's when you start having these like sound experiences. Cause people describe that where they like, will go and investigate like an old saloon, for example, and they'll be hearing like people chattering with glasses. They'll hear like a piano playing, but it'll be right in front of them but at the same time it'll sound like it's like ominously like in the distance even though the sound is like directly in front of them but i mean <clears throat> when it comes to the sound stuff like that i definitely get more into like the haunting idea uh be it that you're looking at it as something gets recorded through uh again the electromagnetic fields or if something again eventful happened that it essentially just like echoes through right. time and if there was some kind of big party you know, some type of like ritual, anything like that. I've often kind of bounced the idea that, you know, people think of it as only being like a traumatic experience that echoes, but <clears throat> it could go completely the other way that something so good happens that it gets recorded there. So maybe that's why, again, a lot of people hear like saloon music is not because necessarily it was bad, but because it was such an eventful thing that continuously always happened in that area that it ended up getting saved through time and it isn't necessarily anything negative. And that could be the same thing that happened with that is that it was again, either a party ritual, whatever. And that ended up getting echoed through time because it was, they did it there so many times or because that specific event that they did at that time was so eventful that it echoes through time. Well, that's fascinating. Uh, so residual haunting does, can you provoke a residual haunting to start playing it? Like, you know, 
push a button because you know or does it just like in a time loop you know just happen it, it usually seems like it's more of like a time loop and then the intelligent hauntings are the ones that you can get to interact right. with you um but the residual stuff it'll just kind of happen when it happens for the most part from my understanding of it i haven't actually heard of anybody really be able to um like cause a residual haunting to happen it just it's it just plays on replay whenever it feels like replaying or maybe again people's energy being in the area maybe that's what causes it to happen is that it's able to pull energy from something and then it actually will function so maybe it's a matter of just people have to be there in order to have energy to pull from for it to function and happen so that's fascinating so we were all there and we were kind of looking for sasquatch and then maybe this thing pulled some energy and turned out so it's interesting we said about the music in the room so I, my wife and i have done a little bit of uh ghost hunting type stuff and have some equipment i was in ireland a few years ago and did a little of this and uh kind of a old castle place we were in and had a recorder going and we had heard some stuff, but got, I got recording a piano music and there was no piano. there. It's that residual haunting, man. I'm telling you, yeah, there's nothing there. I mean, but it can't, we, we heard it, got it recorded. Now what's that all about? You know I mean? So you're, to your point, it does not have to be a traumatic thing. Maybe it was just a replay of some things being, you know, going on that were good. I, you know, I've heard of that phenomenon happening with, um, choirs or, or music where kids are singing and then voices joining in with them, you know, in older buildings and things. So, you know, another, so it's something you're doing something that's got jubilation or is inviting uh, someone to join them singing a song, singing songs, and all of a sudden they record it. And then later there's other voices in there singing with them kind of thing, which could be spirits interacting and be a part of it. So, you know, I, who knows? It, I, you know, maybe, the human energy that's there or there is a provocation for something residual that could pop up who knows maybe it's just a matter of the fact that it's frequency and vibration to begin with and it seems like that is somewhat of a building block of our reality and we're starting to kind of dive into that more now more than ever before so i mean beyond like something visual beyond seeing a ghost anything like that sound singing any harmonizing is specifically vibration and frequency and when you're playing something melodic it's causes more of an effect than people realize even to the point where like music will give you a feeling even if there's no words to it so i mean if anything was going to get trapped in that echo of time or was going to be residual and end up staying there like assumably the, the main thing that it would always end up being is some type of auditory sound uh, specifically like singing be just because of the fact that it's harmonizing it's something uh beautiful it's it's you know and it's it's Versus like just like a random scattered sound, you have the whole idea where like if you play certain frequencies, it'll start developing like uh, different like Mandela type patterns. Maybe that's a matter of it too, is that there is something spiritual to singing and harmonizing that it goes beyond just the sound getting trapped, but it ends up hitting something in like the spiritual realm. And maybe at a certain point, it like bounces back and has this echo back and forth between another realm. And maybe that's why it's a continuous thing is because it's always a continuous echo of vibration back and forth between two realities. Yeah, maybe it goes cross dimensional. You know, I don't know. I've never been in another dimension. Maybe I have, and I don't know, but I don't mean, you know, but, but Hans, you know, you know, if we go out in the woods and we sit, put ourselves in a place where they aren't and we just do some things that are musical. I mean, a lot of what we do provocation wise is noise related. You know, it's uh, sounds, it's uh, singing, it's, do you remember? Do you recall when we were? I think you were on that one. Maybe you weren't. But when we were up in um, UP of Michigan once, and Caroline Curtis was playing those Native American drums. No, I wasn't. 
but that was in Mead where we'd been. Okay, and she was playing yeah. Native. She was playing Native American drums, and you could hear. I mean, we had groups dispersed, you know, half mile away, and you could hear this. Well, we had activity, and all of a sudden, all everybody, things were moving in the forest everywhere. You know, this is an area, Shane. We know there's Bigfoot activity. Hans has been there, and uh, the show Finding Bigfoot's been in there. But uh, we had activity, and I mean, these things were very active and started to move all around. So. You're in an area, you know, there's Bigfoot, but we weren't necessarily for sure trying to drum it up, but she did drum it up. Um, in, in that case, uh, they're playing drums in the woods at night, you know, depending on like the distance it carries. Don't you think all the animals would move? I mean, and it's in the dark. You can't see what's moving, right? So you have activity. You don't know what that activity is, correct? I mean, it, it could be turkey, it could be deer. Something's moving in the forest. Those drums are creating that movement, so you can't say it, it called in squatch. Well, they they had some activity near them that was. I mean, just we had, saying. Well, okay. I'm, just, I'm I'm just here to listen. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm just not, saying. Uh, I'm, I'm a flesh I'm not, and blood guy. Right. Until so, I see different. Until I experience different, I'm going to have to stick with my flesh and blood. Experiences that I've had that I've drawn off of, you know, do I want to see an orb? Will I, will I sit here and listen and ooh, be entertained? For sure. I, I want to see, you know, I want to experience that, but I just haven't. So until I do. Well, I, you know, I don't doubt that maybe playing a drum in the woods and stir up other creatures, but until a creature in the woods, same night, could uh, like a turkey, can throw a one-pound rock out onto the trail in between us, like happened when those drums were playing. Um, I'd have to see a turkey do it. I'm sure a turkey could do it, but I'm just, I'm just playing with you. But it happened. You know, something threw oh, a no. rock out in the middle of You know, yeah. okay. So that was some of, there was activity that night that was big, suspect to be Bigfoot-related activity. That was one of the things. But it was sure. around where the drums are too, and they were all of a sudden they were seeing a, uh, these bipedal shadow things dashing back and forth around them in the woods, peeking around tree. All that kind of stuff was going on near the group that was doing the drum. They stopped doing it. Some other weird stuff started to happen that they they came away and said, "Well, we're never going to play those Native American drums again." They were thought it was negative feeling, negative spiritual kind of things, so or maybe they're just getting zapped. I don't know, but uh, I tell you, they wouldn't do it again after that night, folks that were doing it. So. I've never done, I've never played Native American drums in the woods. I've played Native American music through speakers. I will say that that seems to drive activity. So to the whole point, Shane, of, you know, what works at stimulation, maybe music, noise carries across to them well. I don't know. I mean, just to come back with that too, um, assumably if you're playing drums in the middle of the woods, uh, most animals would end up leaving the area because they don't know what it is and they're hearing a loud noise so it would scare them away so assumably the only things that would come in would be some form of like an apex predator who isn't scared of something in the woods and they actually want to attack it and possibly get a meal so if there was like smaller animals like turkeys things like that assumably they would end up running and maybe the things that would end up coming would be like wolves bears coyotes stuff like that but going in with uh i don't know if i told you guys this last time you were on but there's this old Cherokee legend that essentially you go into the middle of the woods, uh, you sing this one specific song that was in Cherokee and it would call 
in the Sasquatch. And then once you called them in, then there was another song you would sing that would basically tell them that you're okay, that you weren't going to hurt them. And if they chose to accept it, they would basically come up and you do this thing where you would touch fingers and they would bestow wisdom on you of like the woods, meaning that like this area is going to flood. So don't farm over here. Don't do this over here. But either way, it's a Cherokee legend saying that if you sing their songs that you'll call the Sasquatch in. So assumably that could extend farther than that, that if you're playing native drums, you are singing native songs, you're doing anything that has any rep or any idea of like a, like a native feel to it. You know, it's a comfort thing for them that it's going to call them in because like Cherokee, for example, specifically uh, used to have this like duality with Sasquatch. And this was coming from like my grandma, who's hundred percent Cherokee, where they pretty much said that they work side by side until the white settlers came and they pretty much told them that if they were going to deal with the white settlers, that they didn't want to be involved them anymore. And the natives chose to trade with the white settlers. And then that's when the Sasquatch and the natives kind of broke off from each other. So there is this, uh, comfort feeling back and forth between the natives and Sasquatch. So if you're doing anything that seems like it's native or has a native feel to it, just out of even curiosity, it might start calling in Sasquatch, be it that again, you're singing vocally or you're playing native drums. It's, it's a comfort feeling for them, assumably. Well, if you can get any of that info to me about those that legend, I'm in Cherokee country down here. I'm in Western North Carolina, but uh, and I have upcoming you know activity we're going to have in these. I've got this expedition. I would love to try that. Those two songs, whatever that. If you can give me any info on any of that, the Cherokee legends down here. I've done a lot of exploration on that over the last couple of years and learned a lot about the different things that they believe in that are here. It's fascinating, but uh, you know some of them are crazy spear finger and all these other things i mean it's it's nuts i mean the, the things that they recognize or think that are out in the woods my gosh <laughs> say my my i grew up with my grandma telling me all this stuff because she was 100 percent cherokee and uh like she used to go to powwows she used to go to the reservations and everything and actually not that the audio listeners can see it but this medicine bag uh she made for me and it actually has her and my grandpa's ashes in it so it was Ooh. like I have a heavy background as far as like Cherokee stuff goes. And it's unfortunate that my grandma passed away because all these stories, like I remember most of the stories she told me as a kid, but at the same time though, I wish I could have her now so I could get specifically into the Sasquatch stories so I could figure out exactly like what the songs were. Um, but I, I'm sure if I asked her on, I could probably figure out some of it at least, but you know, maybe it's just a matter of, doing something in Cherokee, like even for the time being, I, like I'll see if I can dig stuff up and figure out what those songs were. Um, but maybe next time you go out specifically play something that's in Cherokee tongue and yeah, maybe yeah. it might be something that might call them in. Um, but of course make sure that you know what the song's about and you're not playing like a war song or something. You want to be able to you right, know, play right, like right, a, right. a peace yeah, song or that. something, you know, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I really don't want to do that. You know, I, you know, I had voices among me the other day and you know, in the middle of us, I don't want to do that. So, um, but I am fascinated with this. I got a lot of respect for it. I'll send you a copy of the presentation I did on uh, Cherokee legends and things. Because I've given it just doing research on it, you know, and uh, uh, I'll probably pronounce it wrong, but is it Sol Kalu? Is that the one that they uh, reference all the time that was a Bigfoot-looking face type creature? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay, that one to me is fascinating because that would show up when they before they were, you know, going to war and all this kind of thing. But there was a lot of interaction, to your point, between Cherokee and the Sasquatch. And so, you know, you can learn a lot from it. Yeah, it seems like more so than any other group of the natives that it right. seemed like there was this harmony between the Cherokee specifically in the Sasquatch. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I think there's some with that, with the uh, Chihalas up in uh, the Northwestern part of the country. Um, and I've been up there doing some big footing, but we talked with some of them up there. They were very matter of fact about Sasquatch and then all, you know, Lakota, Lakota Sioux is a lot. That's basis for an awful lot of the language. And 
it seems like there's you know definitely a lot of reference to Bigfoot in that. But of all the nations, Native American nations, I don't know, I'll probably get the number wrong, it's 23 or whatever. They all have a name for it. There's a name for Bigfoot in every one of them. There's even the whole like anti Sasquatch thing. Have you guys heard about that? Where there's like these like evil Sasquatch that are known to have like red eyes that they, they've talked about in Cherokee lore. Yep, I have read about that. And I don't even think yeah, they're Sasquatch. I, I think there's something else that's giving off the impression of Sasquatch. Like I, I don't think it's the, the same being at all. Is that like a mountain a mountain devil? I mean, that's okay. like a that's like the miner's name for the for the Sasquatch. I, I think that that originated with the miners. Interesting. And they've got a, the Cherokee also have a lot of recognition for dun, 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 here we go for dogman type creatures. I mean, they have a lot of names for these things, and there's a lot. And the more you research, you know, they have names, different names for these things, but they're all are like demon dogs, devil dog type things, and none of it sounds good. You got the oolong dog that actually even has like the sulfur smell that is associated with a lot of like the dogman stuff now. Like it's wow. weird. You start digging into it, and the lines exist there. Like. If you're going to find out anything about creatures in America, I always bring everything right back to the natives because I feel like they're the yeah. ones that know the absolute most about it. That's why I was saying with the whole like Wendigo slash rake pale crawler concept. I mean, there's it's just like anything with Cher- with uh, natives. There's a bunch of different names depending on the tribe. So there's like the Wachuge for the Wendigo, the Wendigo. There's 10 other different names for it that are all essentially like the same archetype. Um, but I, again, think that the pale crawlers all that's anything new that are people are seeing they're just remaking up names for stuff that already existed within uh, native folklore but the problem is you know there wasn't necessarily a written language so who knows how many of these creatures that they 100% knew about got lost through time because they just didn't end up passing on the oral tradition only the most popular ones essentially ended up getting passed on so a lot of stuff's got forgotten and now they're just trying to rename it or the whole folklore has been misconstrued because of white settlers starting to retell the stories and like essentially that's what happened to the wendigo because just like anything when the settlers get involved and they start retelling the native stories they demonize it so you know they add these horns they add this they add that to make it sound like it's something that fits the biblical demonic concept rather than just being an evil native spirit. Yeah, you know, uh, so what's a, what's a pale crawler look like? Um, let's see. I don't know if you can see my logo back here, but that that guy that's peeking right behind the papers, that's kind of how they're described. Oh, yeah, okay, yep. That's uh, And that's more like the rake-looking thing. That's what these guys described seeing. I thought you were going to say, that's fascinating. Yeah, that's a creepy-looking thing. Hans, you, you know, look into this rake, this golem type creature. It is freaking creepy. Yeah. Uh, and, and like I said, these guys want to look over. But I thought you were going to say the pale crawler looked like, are you ready for this? Like the Fresno crawler. Have you ever seen that thing? Yeah, the Fresno night crawlers. And, you know what that yeah. Hans, have you seen? Yeah. Right, hold on your hat. I had a guy just showed me a picture of one on his property. <laughs> really? <laughs> Two weeks ago. Honest to God. Actually, you Phony connecting into that too. I've had two people from Wisconsin, not necessarily the pale crawlers, but they've seen these things that are kind of shaped the same, but they're like black amorphous weird type. Like they, they, they're pretty much described like the pale crawlers, but they're like black and they're like taller. And I've had two people in the same area that didn't necessarily know each other, both contact me and tell me about these things being there too. So I think that those things, at least from my perspective are something that isn't necessarily fully formed within our reality. Like we're not seeing all of it or it might be from like a dimension up. So the reason why it doesn't make sense in our reality is because we're not perceiving it right. It's like the matter of, you know, if you're in water and you have a ball above the water, it just looks like a circle. And once it 
once it goes into into that other reality, then it it's it, it's just that it takes on a different shape when you're looking at like a lower dimension, essentially right. what I'm trying to get to. So I think that that might be one of those things that's something that exists in a higher dimension and we're not actually seeing all of it. Where in Wisconsin were they? Um, I think it's it was northern Wisconsin. I could tell you the northern exact Wisconsin. area. Um, I just got to look um, back into the messages. You can just email up, me. Carry near your place, Hans. It's up near your place. Uh, that's what I was thinking. So I can t- tell you the exact city from both of them as soon as we get off. Actually, so I just got to dig through my messages. Okay. So I don't, you know, just to, I know we're getting towards the end here, time wise, already, but. Uh, I don't know what's going on this fall, but I, you know, I'm having a dialogue with some other investigators and people around the country and everything. It seems like there's more activity, Bigfoot activity and, and or paranormal activity now, this time, this fall, this, then there's been in years. I don't know. I got a lot of cases. I got a lot of active cases I'm investigating. I, had, I was on one. I just filed one the other day at BFRO. A woman saw property down in the woods she drove down into it and i went to her property i saw her property saw a big arm reach out of the woods and throw a baby sasquatch up into the trees up above she said all kinds of activity at her property she saw this i mean she saw this i went i went to the place and she's had all kinds of other activity on there but i mean what the heck who the heck sees an arm reach out of the woods and toss a baby sasquatch up in the air <laughs> to look and then she saw it climb up the tree she described it exactly i mean uh, all I'm saying is, I there is. It seems like there there's more weird stuff. Maybe the veil is so, thin these days or something. But I don't know what is going on right now. But it seems like there's more weird stuff going on than I can remember in years. So do you have to invest investigate that further? I mean, do you have to drive out there and take pictures and stuff? Or already did. Oh, did you? Yep. Does she seem pretty legit? She's a woman who teaches other women how to defend themselves and shoot guns. <laughs> she's pretty legit. She's uh, a tough cookie. Okay, cool. But uh, yes, I did. I went there, took pictures of where she saw it. There's a fascinating thing about where this happened in the woods behind there. They've got a well that they draw water out of the ground to, and it's like a pump well house. I think maybe the things were in there getting a drink or something, but uh she said there were other things that went on in this property. There's still other ones. She's staying in touch with me, but none of this stuff happened for a year. Nothing. And all of a sudden, within the last year, she's got activity. Her and her son. Is it, uh, 60s, is it pretty rural? Very rural. Um, Very but, what's rural. Hap- but here, a fascinating thing, it's on the side of a mountain, but fascinating thing is uh, this high-end builder moved in a couple of years ago up above her and is putting these custom homes that has taken down. Uh-oh. And really, and clear-cutting and taking trees down and moving stuff around and I think these things have come down the mountain and down. She's got a creek runs right near her house in the woods, saw Mountain Laurel. And I think they're coming down mountain. They're pissed off. They're looking for another place to be. You know, sure. back to what we talked about earlier, Hans, I think, you know, they do, these things like to stay in a safe area where they have water. And then all of a sudden we come in and, you know, make it uninhabitable for them and they move on. But I think they're showing up all of a sudden on our property because they're moving. I was going to say, I think it's a matter of the fact that we're starting to build out more and the fact that people have forms like this. There's a bunch of different podcasts that talk about this stuff. There's a bunch of different researchers that talk about it, a bunch of different shows. So people are getting more comfortable with sharing their experiences on top of the fact that we're disturbing more land now. So stuff is starting to stir up. So I think it's a combination of multiple things or why all these encounters and high strangers are starting to upspike now. 
there, it seems like there's a bunch of it lately, you know, which is really weird. Um, I, don't, I don't know. You know, maybe, you know, somebody said to me at CryptoCon, Hans and I were talking about this, and somebody said, well, the veil is thin right now. And, you, know, you know, I don't know what it is between dimensions and veils and all that kind of stuff. I Because I just I have to go. I'm like Hans when it comes to dimensions. I got to go to another one and come back to know that it, it's there. I have no doubt that there's multiple dimensions, parallel realities. <laughs> This, you know, this is inquiries of our reality, but there's other realities. And, you know, uh, I think time is a human construct, all that kind of stuff. So, you know, it, it's very possible. But uh, until I know and can see it and somebody can show it to me, I just don't know. I mean, maybe it's a matter of the fact that we're just messing with stuff more now, like science wise, like there's people that are trying to access other realities there's you know stuff where they're smashing particles together to try to create microscopic black holes like they're doing all of this stuff for science that's starting to like mess with reality itself because you're breaking things down on a quantum level you know even if they don't realize necessarily what they're doing but just creating microscopic black holes things like that could be why the veil is thinning is because they're they're messing with it they're poking at it you know like it's it's yep. it's only so yeah. thick and if you keep poking at the wall eventually you're going to put a hole through it <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I think there might be something to that so we might you know and everybody's carrying around a device that uh, could be you know your cell phones could be who knows what we're able to poke through the hole with these things that we're going around to everybody is emitting some type of energy or receiving energy constantly and that never happened think about that everybody's walking around doing that that never happened before everybody with two legs walking around has got a cell phone that's sending energy receiving energy getting signals sending signals what the heck that's never happened before we're crisscrossing the ley lines who knows what the hell we're doing you're creating like a like a blanket of a bunch of different frequencies and energies bouncing back right. and forth that stuff might be able to manifest in. On top of the fact, if you get into the paranormal aspect of things, essentially your phone is a black scribing mirror. Like you're always carrying right. this like connection into this into the paranormal in your pocket. Whenever the screen's not lit up, you ha you have a black mirror in your pocket. <laughs> right. No, I agree. So we're messing with stuff. So we're definitely messing with stuff. You're going to have years and years of more of this stuff happen. Hey, I'm looking forward to it, though. I like the high strangeness. It gives uh, some type of mystery into reality because most people kind of see it as everything's been discovered. But if everything's been discovered, where's the fun, you know? <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. But uh, I guess uh, starting to wrap up towards the end, I always like to wrap up with words of wisdom. So I don't know if both you guys want to go, if just one of you guys want to go. But uh, if there's any words of wisdom you guys might be able to bestow on the listeners today, what might it be? Go ahead, uh, Rick. Uh, do you want to go first? <laughs> well, last time we did the show, um, you said, go ahead, Hans. And I had nothing. I had nothing. <laughs> and I said, whatever. And you came back with something really clever. And I'm like, oh, oh that, that fast. He <laughs> <laughs> totally took the time that I was talking to come up with something good. But, uh, well, um, go ahead. Yeah, you go first. <laughs> He's no, going to do it to you again. <laughs> Um, I always enjoy coming on Shane and we like, you know, supporting you and what you do. And I think together we know we'll have a, you know, a nice little collaboration. We can figure, you know, figure stuff out going forward. And I think I've, I've said this before on the show, but, uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a flesh and blood, uh, Sasquatch and investigator, uh, so if I ever have those experiences that Rick is talking about, I will definitely come back on 
And well, I'm coming back on regardless. Uh, <laughs> yes, of course. I'm going to make you guys come on. <laughs> yeah, whether you want it or not. Uh, but no, it's it's always a joy. So whenever you have your first uh, interdimensional non flesh and blood Sasquatch yes. experience, you got to come here first and tell everybody about it. <laughs> I, will. I will. I'll tell everyone I'm with and probably a dozen other people. But then to the masses, oh, we're com- coming on here. <laughs> well, one thing, one thing is for sh- for certain that, you know, uh, I met Travis Walton a few years ago. I was talking to him about, you know, you talk. I've seen him speak, but you talk to him one on one about his abduction, and you know, because he had a booth right next to me at a crypto show. And I was talking to him about it, and you know, I was really reflecting on. You know, he was gone for a week. He was abducted and gone for a week. I mean. I'm pretty sure Hans, if something came down and abducted you, you'd be back. They were they're not gonna hang on to you. So <laughs> so we will be able to hear from you about what happened. So that that's for sure. So I would say, you know, uh, to your listeners, words of wisdom, and I don't, you know, I'm not one to believe in all the Yoda type stuff, but I'll give you one of those. You know, I, I think you need to stay open minded when you're out there and uh, you know, absence of proof does not mean proof of absence. So just stay open-minded, you know, I'm trying to be a bookend to your uh, flesh and blood only kind of thing over there too. But I've run into a lot of things, big footing and doing research already. I can't explain and I'm okay with that. Or right. I'm okay, I'm right. okay with it. I'm all and that, right. And that's, it, it's a nice balance that makes uh, I know Squatch have a nice balance. Very harmonious. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, if you guys had the same opinions on everything, you know, you, you got to have the bounce back and forth. You got to have the rational and the open-minded one so that you can bounce the ideas back and forth and actually get somewhere with the research. And as far as what you were saying with the stuff that's unexplainable, you know, it's just a matter of more research and a matter of time. And then we might actually have an understanding where this stuff can be explained because I've, I know I've said it a million times on the show, but there's so many different things that start off as magic and now they're considered a science. So even all of this research that we're doing, uh, whether it be paranormal, Sasquatch, any of that, you know, it seems woo woo and fringe now, but every good science was woo woo and fringe at one point until there was a matter of more understanding. And as soon as there was understanding, became an official branch of science. So it's just a matter of time with all this stuff too. Yep. Yeah. You know, you should always debunk. You should always go back and take a look at gather the proof you can. But if you get to a point, you can't explain it. And it happened. Your five senses picked it up. I think you got to be okay with it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Trust your gut too. Yeah. Like if something seems off, then, you know, keep, keep digging into it. But if something seems like it's legit, of course, keep digging into it. But again, follow your gut on stuff too. And uh, I guess with that, of course, you guys got to let everybody know where uh, they can come and find both you guys on the internet, where they can come and pick up your awesome, I know, Squatch gear, all that awesome stuff. Uh, We're most active on um, Instagram as far as posting and putting up new ideas and letting everyone know about, you know, upcoming events uh, and on Facebook. Um, As far as if you want merch, if you want to check out, uh, where to find us. You just go on Etsy and uh, search I Know Squatch. We have our whole storefront, the 160 different unique items that'll make you the hit of your hood. Uh, <laughs> and we do go to shows uh, and those will be starting when, when's the first festival? 
Uh, well, I've signed up, I think, for four or five now. I'm working on a couple more, and they all start in the spring. So April, May is when they first start. And um, you know, we're, we've got a couple coming up, Tennessee, uh, North Carolina, South Carolina. Are they Virginia, doing Virginia. the? Are they doing the Florida skunk ape? Yeah, they pushed it to. I think it's in June or July. So they moved it to Ooh, the summer. Nice so, and hot. I know, I know. So I'm not as. I liked it when it was in uh, January, February, but it's not. Yeah. Into, so. Huh. And we got another one. We're probably going to do same time in Virginia. We're going to do one. So, but we're. Uh, well, we'll have. We'll probably. I'll be at. Oh, between six and eight of those things shows this year going to do Gatlinburg this year for sure and uh, so we'll be at a number of shows this year uh, speaking at some uh, presenting at some and then also having all our cool merchandise at different ones and we got a hoodie too <laughs> I was going to say too uh, since I talk about you guys in the intro to the show and everything since you guys back up the show and we all collaborate and stuff uh, you guys will have to send me your event list and the dates um, so for all the listeners that regularly listen to the show uh, they'll get an update on when all that stuff's happening and you know they could possibly come and uh, you know scoop some of your gear listen to you guys do presentations all that stuff you know I can, I can continue helping you guys promote that kind of stuff so people can come out and see you guys I can do that I will send them to you perfect awesome well, I appreciate you guys making the time to come on the show today, as always, and I'm definitely looking forward to the next time we all get to interact, be it at an event or through podcasts. Looking forward to it. All right. Well, well, hey, thanks again. Thank you, Shane. If you guys enjoyed this episode, don't forget to leave a review or rating for the show on iTunes or Spotify, or you guys can always share the show through word of mouth. Keep the show organically growing that way. Makes it so the algorithms push the show up to the top. Anything you guys do, greatly appreciate. And if anybody has any encounters to report, don't forget to report those to OMMEncounterReports at Outlook.com. And if you want to get a hold of me for any other reason whatsoever, you guys can email me at inquiriesofallrealitypodcast at Outlook.com, or you guys can hit me up on social media. Instagram and Facebook are the ones that I am definitely the most active on. And uh, everything that I mentioned is all available in the link tree, which is available down in the show description. And with that, hope you guys enjoyed the conversation, and I'll catch you on the next one. Have a good night, everybody. Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.